0: Welcome to Tribe of Two, the officially unofficial podcast for The Mandalorian on Disney+. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're here today to kick off this podcast with uh, a discussion about season one uh, and what we thought of it, a discussion about what we know of season two before it drops on October 30th. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, maybe tell you a little bit about what to expect from it um, and our histories with Star Wars. Uh, Aaron. Aaron. What are we doing with this podcast? What, what can people expect I, when they're listening? Uh, the Mandalorian is going to come out in the wee
1: hours of each Friday morning. Um, and we are going to uh, watch it, do all that stuff, uh, get some feedback from people that want to send it in. And uh, then uh, we will have a podcast out probably late in the day Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, same day, same day service, just like the photo booths of old. And uh, if you're new to the bald move style of coverage, we're um, almost certainly going to open the conversation with what we thought about each episode, and then we'll discuss a scene-by-scene recap, and then we'll speculate on maybe what will happen next, and we'll read feedback that uh, the listeners, perhaps you, send in to us. And uh, then we'll do it again week over week until the Mandalorian saga for Season 2 is finished.
0: Yeah. Uh, Should be a good time. Uh, Let's let's talk maybe a little bit about our histories with Star Wars, because I think that's going to be other factor like, okay, what kind of coverage do we do? But also, who are we? Uh, What's our relationship with Star Wars? Uh, What's yours? Uh,
1: Like many Gen Xers, uh, I was born in 76. Star Wars came out in 77. I literally can't remember a time where I was not aware of Star Wars and was not some flavor of Star Wars fan. Um, Love the classic movies. Um, spent all my childhood playing with Star Wars toys, spent a lot of my teens uh, playing Star Wars video games and reading Timothy Zahn novels and expanded universe stuff. Um, spent my adult life being mostly disappointed by the franchise <laughs> and, and hoping it would go in a different direction to the direction it appears to, to, to go. Um, but you know what? Of late... I have had a little bit of that fire uh, rekindled. Um, I've liked a few of the new Star Wars movies. Um, yeah. Not the main one so much, unfortunately. But I actually liked uh, one of the weirdos I like Solo. Uh-huh. I liked Rogue One. Uh, I liked Mandalorian. I'm really enjoying the Star Wars Squadrons video game. Like, holy hell, that's his mainlining 13-year-old... <laughs> my 13-year-old life right into my veins. Uh, and, and I'm really enjoying it. And I thought the Mandalorian was one of the better... You know, it's it's one it, it's it's not what I was expecting. You know, when you hear like bounty yeah. hunters and Star Wars, that's kind of like the seedy underside, the morally ambiguous gray. I did not expect uh Mando dad, Dadda Lorian, <laughs> sure. you know, uh one one man and a baby. I, I was not expecting that. Um, but once and, and in fact, I think we talked about this a little bit on Bald Move TV last year. We talked about the Mandalorian, kind of checked in on it once in a while. I remember kind of being kind of disappointed in the YA tone, but in prepping for this podcast, I watched the last half of the first season and those last two, especially two episodes, I think were really good. Um and very entertaining, and the show always looks like a million bucks and oh, I yeah, yeah. Uh, and it sound it looks and sounds like Star Wars, which I always think is the most important thing. Uh, you know, if you can't mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel like Star Wars, then what the hell are
0: we even trying to do? Uh what about you, Jim? Yeah, I'm roughly the same. Um, I can't remember a time when I wasn't a Star Wars fan. I was born in '82, so kind of caught you know the the aftermath of the Star Wars fandom, um, and I was a teenager when the special editions came out, so that really like kicked into high gear uh, my fandom. But you know, in, the, in between those, I was reading Star Wars extended universe novels, um, just like you said, playing Star Wars board games and video games, and. Uh, a lot like the creators of the show, right? They're they're steeped in Star Wars. They're pulling from all of that to make the show. Uh, and in recent years, I've been not such a Star Wars fan because it's been a lot harder to be a Star Wars fan. We were the guys who stood in line, you know, you and I mm-hmm. for Phantom Menace when it came out and spent 17 hours in line or whatever it was that day mm-hmm. uh, and saw the movie 12 times in the theaters. So like, right. And didn't realize until, you know, a few months down the road, oh, God, I was actually way disappointed in this whole thing. And it just got worse with Attack of the Clones. And, and The Force Awakens sort of like rekindled a little bit of that love uh, because mm-hmm. it was, I, I think that is, you know, the best Star Wars that's come out in this era. Um mm-hmm. Although I haven't seen Rebels and I haven't seen much of the Clone Wars. So... You know, I, I have a, a gap there that I'm hoping to fill in, actually, um, as we go through this podcast, maybe watch a little bit of that. So, yeah, you can expect like a, a fan who has been a lifelong fan, uh, a couple of us, but also a little bit jaded with Star Wars and and liking Mandalorian, even though, you know, sometimes it has that what you call a YA tone. I think we were talking before the podcast and it's more like a family uh, series is what we came Yeah. On.
1: Yeah, it's not well, like YA is missing the mark because it's even, but it's like because uh, it
0: does have adult you themes know, sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's like the Toy Story of Star Wars. Like Toy Story is a is is a fil- film that a four year old child can appreciate, a fourteen year old child can appreciate, and a forty four year old child can appreciate. Yeah, and I will say as su- as someone who uh, owns and operates a th- uh, a fourteen year old son, uh, <laughs> he. Probably not owns, not even operates. I'm I'm responsible for the care and development of. Uh, he f- he really likes The Mandalorian. Uh, he, yeah. like, you know, like, I'm thinking of, like, if this show came out when I was a kid, oh, and yeah. literally there was climaxes of fights involving dozens of Mandalorian war- warriors jumping in on jump packs and just, like, laying down the smack on uh-huh. everyone that deserves it. Huh, who could tell me that this thing isn't an <laughs> Emmy-winning war- this thing should should get president of the world uh, award for life,
0: you know, uh, and, and have the every thing is, action is, figure in the entire line. Hell yeah. Have Sixteen yeah. Mandalorians all lined up shooting it at, uh, you know, Moff Gideon, all that.
1: That that was the truly wild thing that th- it seemed like Disney itself was not prepared for su- the success of this show. Like the fact that you couldn't yeah.
0: get a baby Yoda doll. Well, they Last knew something now. was up. Yeah. Maybe we should start talking about season one because, you know, we're okay. getting into it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they They do seem like a little bit unprepared, but also the secrecy around it was such mm-hmm. that I think they kind of knew what they had on their hands, too. Oh, man, I, just, I, I I heard that the reason they didn't put out a bunch of toys is because they didn't want Baby Yoda getting out before the show aired. Well, if that if true, that's
1: that is that was a long term play that definitely paid off because yeah. it was a shock and delight to everyone. Like the Internet just went fucking crazy over Baby Yoda. Yeah, my and Mike I will went say they have, Baby have <laughs> everyone's went crazy over Baby Yoda. And I will say that, like, they have definitely fixed the merch problem. Yeah. You can get Baby Yoda toys, Mandalorian toys, Baby Yoda cereal Baby Yoda SpaghettiOs, Baby Yoda. I'm looking Oda, one right now on your bookshelf behind you. Y- you are. You are. Uh, uh, you, Baby Yoda Tater Tots. I mean, the, the whatever you want, you can get it Baby Yoda shaped. Probably Baby Yoda costumes.
0: Do they have Chef um, Boyardee, like Baby Yoda SpaghettiOs? I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Because they used like, to, if, remember if, the R2-D2 oh, and yeah. C-3PO, like oh, mac and yeah. cheese?
1: You think have- Disney can't get in Chef Boyardee? <laughs> Disney's got Chef Boyardee money, let me tell you. For it's, sure. I, without even knowing, I can guarantee that you can get Baby Yoda SpaghettiOs. <laughs> uh, so that's like, I don't know. I, I wonder, I mean, I guess that's the big challenge for this year, right? Is that it's not going to take anyone by surprise. There's actually expectations. Yeah. Um, Because I will be one of the first to point out, you know, as a 44-year-old, uh, who's seen seen a lot of good television, a lot of good movies, that the plot for season one is pretty thin. It was largely sure. fairly unconnected stories that had this mystery of this, uh, you know, ba- baby Yoda that, that kind of, like, hung uh, everything through. And there the are a couple points I was trying to think, like, well, you know, why is he doing this? Like, why would this, like, do I believe Boba Fett would stop uh, and help a, a baby, Mm-hmm. And I I didn't really. But like as the season went on, I thought they did a really good job fleshing out this Mandalorian culture and this particular Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. Who was a foundling. And and like I thought that's one of the great the, the one of the better scenes in the second half is where they juxtapose him being rescued by a Mandalorian after his village was raised mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and then him blasting off a baby Yoda. And, and like the identical framing and all that stuff. It's like so now it's like, OK, I understand that this is like a Mandalorian culture works. And it's particularly appealing to this particular Mandalorian. Um, but now, yeah, in season two, it's like I've got some expectations. You know, he's got a mission. Sure. He's got to he's got to find this this child's home planet
0: and reunite him with his people. <laughs> and as a long time Star Wars fan, this is such a cool mission to me because I've always wanted to know more. We don't We don't even know what species Yoda is, right? Like. No, I've always really. wanted to know more about Yoda's species, and here we mm-hmm. have the chance to dig into that. Um, I'm hoping they go down that route. I'm hoping we get a lot of information eventually. Like, I don't want them to, you know, episode one, solve uh, the mystery of where Baby Yoda comes from. But
1: eventually. Especially since, like, um, I, I don't, like, is uh, Yoda's species just inherently Force-sensitive? You know, are they just... Uh, there's only been two in the entire... And the entire canon, as far as I can tell, Yoda and Yaddle, uh-huh. which was the female Yoda that you really just saw on kind of chilling out on the Jedi Council um, in the, in pre- the prequels, prequels yeah. and she was made some notable appearances in the lego star wars franchise oh yeah but okay. not a lot of yaddle information um there's some spec i mean I, I saw some crazy theories when i was researching this about like yoda and yaddle hooking up and that's what baby yoda <laughs> is and i mean, I don't if know there's, there's only one other of your species why not go for <laughs> it i i don't know if the i don't know if the um uh, the timelines work up on that and and yeah. uh but yeah I, I don't know is like is is this species inherently force sensitive is this a, perhaps a clone of Yoda somehow um it's very powerful
0: um
1: sure. e- even untrained like it's um like uh on both sides of the force like it laid a pretty good force choke on Gina Karana Car- uh, no. last last season for sure um but also can heal Carl Weathers uh to to perfect perfect health so it's a real mystery and he's now got an official mandate like this isn't like just something he's doing in between jobs or something like an inconvenience like this is his now like it's like a life debt he's got Mm -hmm. and um it'll be curious to see how that because that's the thing like if he ever gets rid of do you think the mandalorian survives baby yoda being the the plot
0: line being complete huh Uh, i think he certainly could yeah um, because I wasn't expecting Baby Yoda. When, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's not like I'm
1: like, damn, you know, I can't wait to see this guy take care of a kid for right. all of th- three seasons, right? So like, if they could come to a successful conclusion, um, that would maybe even further embroil him into some intrigue from this kind of trying to resurrect itself empire. Uh, you know this this moth get Gide- this moth Gideon Darth Darth Esposito,
0: um. <laughs> Really curious to see more about him. Yeah, I want st- to know, like, the big question coming out of season one is what does the this faction of the Empire, what does Moff Gideon want Baby Yoda for? Is it mm-hmm. is it to try and resurrect the Empire? Like, we know he has healing powers. Is it, or did, did I say resurrect the Empire? I meant Emperor. Um, mm. There's like, I don't know. I, I'm super curious to find out more about his motivations. Yeah, I mean, now we
1: know that the Emperor is chilling off. <laughs> Living in the wreckage of the Death Star, uh-huh. uh huh. So yeah, like get get him out of that spinal fusion thing he's in, and and uh, make him look a little less zombie, a little less walking Palpatine. And uh, but I, I yeah, sure. I, I don't know. Or does he have plans for himself? Because he's unmistakably yeah. supposed to be evoke in his profile Darth Vader, but he's also got that thing that I think fans are calling the dark saber. Well, it looks oh. like it's like a lightsaber made out of the absence of light, which so is kind of
0: cool from Rebels. Is that right?
1: I don't know. I haven't. That's Rebels is one of the few things. Uh, me Same and here. Jack, my kid back in the day, watched almost all of the Clone Wars, mm. um, um, but I have not seen a bit. I've not seen one bit of like Rebels or there's a new one called the like Resistance that kind of looks Voltron-y in its animation style that I haven't seen. Yeah, I think um, the Darksaber
0: is from Rebels. Like, Like I said, I'm hoping to go back mm. and fill in some information before. Uh, the season starts
1: it's another one of those weird lightsaber variants where it's not just the darkness of the blade but also like it's got a shape like a like a caval cavalry saber you mm-hmm. know it's it's thin in one direction thick in another it's it's like I've never seen a, a lightsaber like that before um, so who is this guy who is this Darth Vader that walks around without a helmet yeah um, <laughs> wielding this this saber of darkness Especially since he's got a, he knows, he's got first, he, he knows the Mandalorian by name.
0: Um, right. So how did that, how did that happen? Good questions. All good questions. Um, what about some people who either may have been in season one who might come back or uh, are new for season two? Because I, I know that we Ooh. left, uh, I, I, right. several of the episodes in season one feel like filler if we just mm-hmm. stopped at the end of season one. But mm-hmm. what I think they're doing is setting up a lot of stuff that they can do later with these characters. Like if you look at Agreed. Uh, the episode, the prisoner where they've got, you know, this, this attempt to bust this guy out of prison um, and several of those characters get left inside a prison barge cell, mm-hmm. uh Imperial prison barge cell I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to bring them back. And I hear that Bill Burr is coming back and he's one of the characters who ends up there. So, Hmm. um, potentially he could come back. Well,
1: let's start with on top, um, persons in season one that might not be in season two, Pedro Pascal. Okay. Uh, the 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 Mandalorian itself. It's going to be subtitled DeLorean because it's got no man in it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) they took the, they took the man out. um, So as far as I can tell, so this this I first heard this a couple weeks ago that Pedro Pascal had walked off the set halfway through filming season two complaining uh, to George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy about uh, the being unhappy with taking his uh, not being able to take his helmet off and, you know, wasting a whole bunch of time on set. And, you know, um, you know, I'm an actor, but all I get to do is have this monotone dialogue and I got my I got my face on screen for all five seconds. Have you seen much of this stuff? Because it
0: seems, as far as I can tell, to be bullshit. Like, entirely bullshit. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen anything. I, I was just getting my information through you um, for that stuff. So, no. I, I don't know anything about so, it. So, I, he, he had a
1: he just had in a recent, um, I think is vanity fair. might've been Esquire, maybe it was Esquire interview where he was talking about the process. And first of all, he seems like a very down to earth, chill dude that was, that was very excited to be a part of the Mandalorian. Um, And he also said, like, the only frustrations that he expressed were that he couldn't be on the set more in season one. Because he he, I guess he was hardly on the set at at all because he was working, um, he was doing some um, stage play stuff that he had a commitment to. And also, he was doing Wonder Woman 1984 where he's got a big, and Mm -hmm. that took him away. So, most of the time uh, in season one, he is not wearing the armor at all. It's a couple of stuntmen. I guess one of them is John Wayne's grandson.
0: (laughs) Okay. Which is pretty fucking
1: cool. Um. And he just did the voice now. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna. Um. And it's it's weird that I don't think he's made a public statement either way. But like the official, like all the Star Wars people are saying, no, 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 it's not true. Mm -hmm. Um. He said in the interview with Esquire that he was on the set more often. Um. A lot of people verified that he was on the set of season two. But I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a little both sides approach. If Pedro Pascal wants to bow, if, if Pedro Pascal wants to not be on a show where he's not shown and just wants to do the voice work. I'm fine with that. His, sure. his voice work on the show yeah. is iconic. Like it's, it's really good. I love it. Um, yeah. and you know, if the Mandalorian's creed is he never takes his helmet off in front of living things, then,
0: Like if he's
1: going to (laughs) continue being the Mandalorian, he's not going to take his helmet off. So like, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, go off and do other cool stuff, Pedro and spend two weeks in the booth to get the voice. And here's their hotter take. If he just wants to walk away and take his voice with him, I think that's fine too. I think there's a hundred different dudes in Hollywood and the video game, uh, voice acting industry that could do a dead on Mandalorian, um, for a fraction of the price. Uh, but I just, I, nothing in his public statements seems like that he wants to do that because he sees this as a yeah. big deal. Like, you know, it him is. being tied to this brand uh, is, is a big deal. Being part of Disney Plus is a big deal. So, like, I just don't give a shit either way because I just don't see this impacting the quality
0: of the show. No, what of do you, course. What do you think as far as him leaving or staying or whatever? Yeah, I mean, his face was shown once in the first season. He can't do a lot of emoting period uh behind that helmet so you don't really need even an actor of that quality uh that that caliber right um and and, you know if if it is true if he's like pressing them for like more screen time with his helmet off or something it's probably not gonna work because i mean of all the the movie franchises i can think of Star Wars has the biggest history with just retconning everything, right? And sure, And taking, yeah. like, digitally retconning things, going in and adding a thousand different effect shots, right? Oh, we can have Han Solo walk over Boba Fett's tail, sure, or Boba Fett over Java's tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we can have Princess Leia. We can have her in space. We can have her in a film that she died before, like, halfway through the filming of. Like, Right. They could so easily go back in and dub over his voice and just take his replace him in that one shot uh from season 1 yeah. if they want. This this happens all the time in Star Wars. So Yeah. There's not a lot of leverage there. Um it would almost be crazy if it were true that he's feeling like he's got some kind of thing he wants to press here.
1: Especially since like they brought like they wanted him to be in it. They brought him to, you know, the Disney compound and they laid it all out for him and said this is the arc, this is the character and he was excited and he signed off on. Like I don't understand why he'd sign off on something that, you know, you're not going to be seen 99% of the time and then want to walk off of it later. Like I mean, I, it can happen. Like he's if his star keeps blowing up and he gets big movie offers and he wants to you know, this is fun. I put, like I said, I just don't care. I just don't care. Um, yep. If I heard like the executive producers, the showrunners, you know, if John Favreau was walking off, Dave Fellini walking off, that would, um, yeah. Scare me a hell of a lot more. The creatives.
0: Yeah, certainly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and but I'm I'm just yeah, I'm not I'm not hearing any of that stuff. They're still very involved. They're still directing and writing episodes. So I think it'll be fine. I, I mean, I would rather Pedro, Pedro Pascal because I do think his voice work is iconic. I don't think it's irreplaceable. But, you know, credit where credit's due. He did. He did a really good job. And even him in the Esquire interview said that. He wanted to be there more because he does think that there is something to the performance, the physicality of the performance, yeah. the the way he moves that that is special to him. Uh, and that he works really close with the stuntmen to, you know, even remotely to kind of go over the things and like the nuances of the performance. And uh, it all works like, you know, like I feel like I've got a good handle on the Mandalorian and, and who he is, even though you don't see him for the vast majority of the time. So sure. And he doesn't do a ton of speaking either. Yeah, he's pretty laconic. He's mm-hmm. iconic and laconic. <laughs> um, yeah, let's run down some of the other names we see joining the cast. Uh, Michael Bain. sure, as a uh, as a unnamed bounty hunter. Michael Bain, if you don't know him, uh, was uh, John Connor's dad in the first Terminator. He plays a Navy SEAL in The Rock. He was was it Lieutenant Hicks? Is that uh Corporal? I don't Hicks? know his no. rank. Yeah, it might be Corporal. Uh, he, he in the Aliens movie. Um, you know, he's he's played uh he he plays uh a real tough gunslinger in Tombstone. Like his his entire career is playing tough dudes. Yeah. Tough, gruff military dudes. So he he's gonna slot in here very nicely. I also heard Rosario Dawson, which I think mm. is an amazing actor, and she's 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 real good, is playing Ashaka, uh Ahsoka Ash- rather, um Tano which is one of those characters from, um, uh, she was the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars.
0: Okay, uh,
1: She later turns into like a master spy. Um, I'm pretty excited to see her wearing the weird tail things and seeing what she does with that. Didn't Anakin Skywalker murder all of the younglings and Padawans? She wasn't a young, well, she was <laughs> it, it, She was more like uh, Padawan, yeah. like Obi-Wan was the, Sure. you know. Yeah. Not what? exactly youngling anymore. I I don't know the
0: the history of the Clone Wars. So yeah, I think other than the movie late Attack of the Clones.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I was honestly shocked is that they're going to get Boba Fett back, and not just Boba Fett. They're going to get Tamura Morrison, who played Jango Fett. Yeah, and all the clones voiced and and did all the performances of the clones and and the uh, all the movies. Um, coming back to play Boba Fett which mm-hmm. is the first time we've seen live-action Boba Fett since he slipped
0: into the Scarlock pit and was belched out. Yeah, um, I know a little bit about what happens there from the EU, but that's all been wiped away, uh, swept off yeah. the board. So I'm curious to see what they're going to have Boba Fett's, I guess for this series, backstory be. Um, the stuff I, I'm that happens somewhat- between Star Wars now. I'm
1: am somewhat worried because there's two possibilities. Number one, Boba Fett just overshadows the Mandalorian because he is the man. He is the yeah. Mandalorian to me, right? Certainly. For a long time, he's the only one we knew, and then they kind of filled out some of that backstory in various EU novels and video games and stuff. But um, I yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see what they 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 do with him. Um, the other thing is he could overshadow the Mandalorian. The Mandal- Mandalorian can make him look stupid because I think. <laughs> The Mandalorian's cool, like, he's like the best version of Boba Fett you can get. His armor's cooler, uh, his suite of weapons is cooler. He's got far more screen time doing cool things and just standing around. You know, Boba Fett's gonna look old and busted standing next to him, although maybe he's it, got Slave new... One
0: is like the one thing that I feel Boba Fett has over Mando at this That's point. It's true,
1: Slave One is cooler than
0: whatever the hell. hell what yeah. is the uh, Razor Crest? What is yeah. the,
1: the Razor? Yeah, it's 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 better. Um, For sure, but yeah, I worry about the what what it'll look like when they're standing, you know, next together. Like if they're working together, if they're at
0: odds. Um. I read that Timothy Oliphant is going to be wear, quote unquote wearing Boba Fett's armor. Is it possible that Boba Fett will be in this not wearing Boba Fett's armor, and that Timothy Oliphant's playing another character? Or or is this like a thing where oh yeah, you, you could replace Pedro Pascal with anybody? Is it going to be like Timothy Oliphant's doing? the the physical performance and then tomorrow Morrison is doing, doing the, the voice. voice like why would you hire Timothy I don't Olyphant not
1: have at least his voice because here's another guy who plays this a long line of tough talking gunslingers specifically yeah. if I have to guess it's going to be more of like Boba Fett's back to get his armor you know okay that and, makes a lot of sense yeah and and he he calls on the Mandalorian to help him because this is the way you know I hope I hope
0: um, Boba Fett doesn't just like kill timothy oliphant the first episode that he's in and take his armor back because <laughs> man i like timothy oliphant so much well father had an interview where he talked
1: about that this season two might have more like they're going to be connected but the each individual episodes might focus on like an individual character um okay. interesting so I, i'm i'm wondering if yeah timothy oliphant is going to be a one and done um hmm. Because there's examples of that in season one. There's also examples of characters recurring throughout. Um, Yeah.
0: And he could be a one and done in season two, but also come back for later seasons. Um, Much like Bill Burr is doing. Yeah. Uh, Katie Sackhoff, which uh, I haven't seen her in a
1: lot of stuff that I love because I, you know, I have uh, boy, here's where people are going to stop listening to the podcast. (laughs) But I have a little bit of a rocky relationship with the Battlestar Galactica.
0: I love Battlestar Galactica. So
1: that's that's fine. there you go he he's the, the light side and the dark side of force uh yeah. balance everything in balance uh but i do like her as an actor i think she's um yeah really effortlessly charming and and watchable and she plays uh the former lu- ruler of Mandalore. okay and leader of a mandalorian faction called the night owls Man, which she's i guess so good. is is a reprise of, I do not remember this from the Clone Wars, but I guess maybe it's more in the Rebels. Um, so, this okay. is another a, a role that kind of comes from the expanded universe, um, the Star Wars Legends. They're, they're stepping out of the Legends and into Fact now. Um, I'm excited because, like I said, th- these are all just excellent actors
0: that have done uh, a, a lot of heavy lifting. And then a lot of different roles. The type of character that she tends to play is very tough. You know, it's along the lines of that Michael Bane, except the female form of it. Uh, Like Starbuck is a badass in Battlestar Galactica. So
1: looking forward to what she can do. There's already, um, you know, we've already had one really badass female Mandalorian last season with the Uh armorer. I mean... Damn, she took down a whole squad of stormtroopers with a hammer and tongs. Yeah. Uh so that's gonna be cool. And also Sasha Banks, who is a WWE per, um, um personality, mm-hmm. kind of in the mold of a Gina Carano. Well, you know, she's she's very uh physically fit and intimidating and very pretty. Uh, but she's in an undisclosed role. So I don't I don't know what, what quite to make of that. But um Yeah, yeah. and it's, there's just so many questions, like, you know, what is this faction of the Empire? Um you mentioned not liking the jokey stormtrooper role like Jason Sudeikis and another comedian the 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 Scout Bikers. Yeah, totally. Uh, it just clashed with like this very
0: intense finale episode, but you're 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 right. It's just uh, me apparently because everybody fucking loves that scene.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I thought it's like because I don't in my mind stormtroopers not bad shots. Like, they have always said canonically that they're crack elite troops. Obi-Wan takes them seriously. It's just they're always shooting... Like, it, like it, there's, there's a couple things if I want to defend stormtroopers. Number one, most of the time they're allegedly inept. They're actually not supposed to be killing the heroes. Like, if you think the... That stormtroopers are supposed to kill Luke Skywalker and Leia in The Empire Strikes Back. Then you just haven't fucking been paying attention for the last 40 years of watching (laughs) the movie, I guess. You murder him. He's not really going to be able to uh, turn to the dark side. Yeah. And a lot of the ineptness of the stormtroopers on Endor, like, is them, you know, the first half of the Battle of Endor, they are trying to rope the rebels into a trap. So they're supposed to be getting their asses kicked. And then when the tide turns, they're, they're laying waste of these Ewoks and it's only some luck, mm-hmm. you know, Chewbacca, if Chewbacca doesn't manage to steal that scout trooper, uh, or that, that a, a, atst a- battle indoor goes a completely different way. So I, I feel like that's always been a little bit overblown. Um, you know, especially with the heavy plot armor that the main characters are, are wearing anyway. um, And I just thought it was dumb to have these guys not be able to shoot a can from ten feet. But I also thought that the um, the client, I thought that yeah, the client. There you go, the client. Um, I I, all of his stormtroopers look ramshackle. Their armor always looked dirty and and, in poor repair. And yeah. my head canon says that those stormtroopers are just like they're not even real stormtroopers. They're wearing like army surplus stormtrooper gear. Their weapons are poorly and are poorly maintained and poorly tuned. This is not in 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 comparison to like when you know Dar, uh Moff Gideon shows up. Mm-hmm. His dudes are not fucking around, you know. So I I, I don't I, I thought it was a fun scene and it's more of a commentary on these low rent backwater stormtroopers than it was on stormtroopers period <laughs> okay sure but uh we'll see yeah but i think that's about Do it you have, um yeah I, there's one thing i'm looking forward to uh <laughs> boats boats on star wars sure on lava rivers or or well, where else uh well well there's a scene in the, the there's a scene in the season two trail that I've I'm calling Mando and Commander on the Far Side of the Galaxy. Okay. Uh where the man the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda are just chilling in like this giant sea skiff that's just floating in the water. Yeah. Um it's it's, it's <laughs> what's the case, what's the use case of a I mean, I guess it's like it's kinda like asking like why the Sandcrawler you know, the Jawas
0: have, why isn't that on repulsor lifts? Why the law? Well, there right? you can say, oh, well, they weren't able to scavenge. Like maybe it's hard to scavenge uh, repulsor lifts uh harder than it is to scavenge round, you know, yeah. tread around the uh, pieces of metal and treads. Like, yeah, I don't know. They're scavengers, but yeah, if you're fabricating things from scratch, why, why boats? Why not? uh yeah, At the very least hovercrafts like a land speeder kind of thing. I
1: guess it's more of like, what is what? So there's a lot of, you can ask that question about a lot of things. Like, why, why at at walkers? Why ATATs? Sure. Like, why aren't those on tracks? Why aren't they on repulsors? Why are this? Why? Some of it just rule a cool man. Uh-huh. So, like, I'm wondering what they're going to do with the boat. Like, is there going to be like a pirate sequence where they get swarmed and they're having to do like some swashbuckling stuff, like swinging from the mast to from one ship to another? Like, what? what what is yeah. going to be the hook um because that's really not just an establishing shot like hey look they're on a water planet
0: and no. it, it kind of strikes me as like the, the equivalent of what they do with planets like they'll have the jungle planet and they'll have the ice sure. planet and they'll have the desert planet well you know we got the planes we got the trains we got the boats we need all of it mm-hmm. right uh if, Never if for no other reason Wars, yeah. than to just sell the action figures right
1: yeah, yeah. And like that's gonna be interesting because like uh it seems like there's a full press merch assault now that they got yeah. the, the big secrets of the uh the, the Mandalorian out. So it's a
0: full press everything Star Wars assault, frankly. Like oh, there has been more Star Wars created in the last decade than any other franchise I can think of, including Marvel. Like there's mm. just so much of it. So freaking much of it. And part of yeah. that is is, you know, why I've kind of fallen off of Star Wars. It's really hard to keep a lot to keep it. up with yeah. especially
1: when a lot of it it's like if, if every single installment of Star Trek Star Wars was like the Empire Strikes Back you know if like right. or like you know to go to the Marvel well if every installment of Star Wars that came out was as good as the average level of the Marvel Cinematic Universe execution mm-hmm. including like the stuff that's came out on Netflix I'd probably keep up with a lot more of it. But a lot of it is, you know, because Star Wars is not, you know, and Star Wars is never for adults. It was always family films, right? It was never sure. supposed to be something for sweaty nerds to, like, you know, uh, call their exclusive domain. No. Um, and, and that's fine. But uh, I do think Star Wars is a big enough universe that they could do more adult takes on it. Um, I'm not saying, like, I need an R-rated John Wick Mandalorian, but I do think that they could do some things with more mature tales if they want to tell like a gritty PG-13 war film. I mean, that's kind of like what Rogue One was, right? Like Rogue One is probably the most adult Star Wars film they've ever made. I think so. Um, Stuff like that, I think, would be with that kind of tone and grimness and stakes uh, as the stuff that I'm really hungry to see Star Wars, but I don't know how compatible that is with Disney and and what they're wanting to do from a money-making perspective. So. Mm So that's what we've got to say. What do you got to say? You got some hopes, uh, some fears for season two. Uh, do you, have you seen the first episode? And you got you, you got to get your feedback in. Uh, we got an aggressive release schedule because we're going to come out less than twenty four hours after after the show starts. But maybe we can talk about stuff a week in a whatever. If you got some burning Mandalorian feedback, if you're like IG Eleven coming out of that lava t- the, the the tunnel, you got you got something inside. It's just just bursting to get out. Please send those takes to Mando at BaldMove.com. Of course, we also have our forums, forums Forums.BaldMove.com, where you can talk with your fellow fans. Uh, But yeah, Mando at BaldMove.com. Send that stuff in for consideration for the podcast. And with that said, we will be back uh, when Demando returns on October 30th with more of the, the, the Tribe of Two here, this podcast. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you then.